So, Lord, you shaped me with your breath and spirit. You brought me into this world through your laws of nature. You watched over me as I stumbled and still stumble through life. I am not worthy of the sacrifices that you made for me, but you did make them, and I am trying to figure out how or if I can ever become worthy. Help me through the trial, Lord. Help me to be the man that you want me to be. Help me to be good and dedicate all of my life to you so that I can live up to what you expect from me. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
to live again. Hallelujah for all you've done. And you lived, and you died, and you rose again on high, and you Lord, you tell us that where two or three or more are gathered in your name, you, you are there. And here we are, Lord, gathered to praise and worship you. Please guide our hearts with Pastor Lou's message today and give our voices strength to chase Satan far, far away. Lord, in your presence here on this holy ground, let us repent our sins and take a new step forward on the way that you showed us while you were here on earth, fully human and fully God. Show us where to point ourselves in the path to do your bidding and to help bring your sheep back to your pastor, for you, pasture. For you are the good shepherd and we belong to you. In Christ's most holy name we pray. Amen. Okay. As I walk through the door, I sense his presence, and I knew this was the place where love abounds. For this is
That's a hard song for me, anyway. <laughs> All right. God does know. So, uh, Friday was St. Patrick's Day, so I thought I would do the prayer from St. Patrick's breastplate, some of it anyway. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's work to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from snares of the devils, from temptation of the vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill afar and near. I summon today all these powers between me and those evils against every cruel and merciless power that may oppose my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every hear, ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness, the creator of creation. Amen.
sisters. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord! How profound your thoughts! Senseless people do not know, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass, all evildoers flourish, and they will be destroyed forever. All right, so uh, praise the Lord with all your might and all your heart. With instruments and voice, we praise him and call to his attention. We should praise God, for he is our maker, ruler, and path to eternal life. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Praise the Lord every moment of every day. Acts 12.23 says, Immediately, because Herod did not praise, give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. So don't invoke such a gruesome fate.
As we continue to worship, I'll ask uh, uh, the people who are going to wait upon you for tithes and offerings to come forward. As they come forward, let me just uh, brief you on a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, we're grateful that, that Carmen uh, and, well, Teresa's not here today, but Carmen's here, Teresa's home. Unfortunately, they were in a head-on collision on Route 9 this past week. And, uh, you know, we're grateful they didn't suffer serious injury, but the car did, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. So we're, we're, we're glad for that. We need to uh, continue to pray for Gal and uh, uh, health issues. I mean, you're walking miracle, really, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and of course, for Gloria, her arm has, uh, seemed, every time she thinks it's getting better, then the pain intensifies. Uh, and, and for families, I, I really feel a burden to pray for families today. So would you join me in prayer, please? Father, we rejoice even at the provision of this week. Thank you that, uh, uh, Father, that we can come before the throne of grace and find mercy when we need mercy. And so, Father, we're grateful that Carmen and Teresa have uh, uh, not been injured more than they were in this head-on collision. Father, it's scary, and we just ask that you calm their hearts and that they would recover well. Pray for Gail, Father, that uh, as she continues to, to serve you and honor you, you would, uh, you would just be with her uh, health-wise, uh, spiritually, and physically. Uh, Father, we pray for Gloria also. Uh, we pray that Gloria, Father, uh, that arm would really heal well. The muscle tone would come back. Uh, we pray for the muscle tone in her legs. And, Father, we're, we're going to pray that um, perhaps shortly after Easter she might be able to come and join us again. And, Father, for families, I pray. Families are under attack big time. I pray that... Uh, Families, especially husbands or single parents, Father, start to look to you for their wisdom, their guidance. Look to Jesus, especially for their salvation. We pray for our children, Father. They're, they're being fed some, some dangerous things in public schools. And we ask that you would guard their hearts. We ask that the parents would be aware of what the children are learning and be able to correct what they're learning by scripture. And so, Father, we worship in giving, and we pray that you would bless these tithes and offerings, and, Father, that you would bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty. As we get, we get ready to look at this passage in John chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can follow along with me. Um, 
I, I uh, called this, I titled this message, The Ungrateful Man, and you'll see why uh, in a minute. Uh, before I go there, I just want to alert you to uh, one other thing. Uh, Pastor Fuji at Toms River Community Church decided to tell the true story about St. Patrick's uh, today at his church. And the reason why he's doing it is because there's a lot of confusion surrounding St. Patrick, okay? And I'll be interested to see how he handles it. Uh, but the title was very inter uh, interesting. He said, uh, the truth about St. Patrick without the beer. <laughs> and I thought that was, that was clever, you know? Um, yesterday, just for the fun of it, uh, Mary Lou and I went by uh, two, this was yesterday morning, two Irish bars, and we counted like 20 cars that were left over from the night before. So, you know, I'll, I'll just leave that as we may, okay? Yes? Well, the, no, they had a dispensation. Because oh, 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 okay. it was St. Patrick's Day, they had a dispensation. <laughs> but they had, according to the Pope, they had to give up something else. Yeah, for the, for the day. Yeah, I, anyhow, going, going back to the scriptures, right? Um, I want to I ask a question. How hard can one's heart be towards God does anybody want to take a shot at that? How hard? Was your heart hard ever once towards God? For most of us, the answer to that is yes, isn't it? All right? Uh, our hearts can get pretty hard. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's impossible for a person to experience a miracle from God and remain ungrateful. Well, the answer to that is yes, too. In my 35 years of pastoring, I see it all the time. I've seen great healings that God has done and then never see the person in church again or a church. I've seen God do miracles in people's lives and then they, they just leave and live again their own way. I mean, as, as a pastor, it breaks my heart but I can imagine how God feels in all of this. John records a miracle in chapter 5 of um, his gospel. And we're going to get to the first part of this today because it's a long passage. But uh, in, in the first part, we're going we're to meet a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. All right? Um, and, and we need to learn from this encounter, from this miracle, and we need to unpack this passage together and discover the valuable insights about the human heart. Do you remember what Solomon says about the human heart? It is desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. That's the place we have to start. Without God, it's wicked. That's one of the reasons why we need a savior, right? I'm going to bring you through this. I, I, I can't preach on this in my usual way only because the passage uh, doesn't 
break down in nice, neat, part, neat parts, but follow this along. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, we don't know which one, okay? But there was a Jewish festival going on. Now, there in Jerusalem, near uh, the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered uh, colonnades. You know what colonnades are? All right, it's not a drink. Okay. Yeah, they're columns and they have arches, you know, uh, that type of thing. But there, there was this pool by the Sheep Gate, and I don't want to make too much uh, about where it was located, but possibly it was located there because sheep have a habit of getting in trouble and many times injuring themselves and many times dying, right? So, you know, besides... Scripture calls us sheep, right? Uh, we we, we kind of do dumb things sometimes, all right? But there was this pool. Let me let me give you the uh, the legend of of the pool of Bethsaida. The legend was this: that people who were deaf, blind, uh, paralyzed, whatever. Um, I'm going to use an, a politically incorrect term, but I don't care. Uh, uh, whatever handicap they had. They would come down to the pool, and the legend is that an angel would come down, stir the water, and when the water stirred, the first one in would get healed. Okay? Uh, historians support that, by the way. And <clears throat> no matter, you know, if, if that's the case or not, we do know that healings took place when the water was stirred. All right? So you follow me? Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. So he was, he was paralyzed basically for 38 years. Now, Jesus saw him there, right? He comes to, to this pool. Uh, Jesus saw him lying there. And he says when he learned that, that he had been there in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, <laughs> you, you might ask, well, did Jesus know this guy before? Well, we don't know that. But maybe somebody in the area told him about this guy's history. He's been here every day for 38 years hoping for a miracle. That when the water stirred, he, you know, someone would bring him down to the water. That begs a couple of questions too, because I'd like to know who brought him there in the first place, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of things here that we can't answer uh, definitively, but this is where we have to start. He's been in, th in this condition for 38 years. Jesus asked him a strange question, right? Do you want to get well? Why do you think Jesus posed that question to him? Okay. Okay. 
you're, you're both on the right track. Yeah, we'll hold that thought, okay? Yes, Vince? Okay, all right. You're all right, by the way. Do you want to get well? And, and that becomes a personal question because here's a disabled man. He's been disabled for 38 years. And begging in Jesus' day was very lucrative. And you know who funded it? The Pharisees. The Pharisees in their self-righteousness would, would, would go down and, and put money in or bring provisions for uh, the people thinking that uh, their good work would earn God's favor for them. In Hebrew, it's called a mitzvah. It's the week before the Day of Atonement. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to get well? That's a good question because it, it implies, well, you've been this way 38 years. He was older than that. We're going to find that out in a minute. But you've been this way for 38 years. You get well, you're going to have to support yourself. You, you know, life is going to change. Do you want that? And notice what the man does. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Did he answer Jesus' question? How did he skirt it? Say, say again? Yeah, he passed a buck, right? Sir, hi, it's not my fault. I have nobody to help me into the pool when the water's stirred. You know, look, well, well, you know, people, people get in before me. So he never really answered the question. Listen, unless we realize that there's nothing that we can do to help ourselves, there's no need for a savior. Isn't that true? Look how this goes. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Okay, doc, I'm gonna defer to you. After 38 years of being uh, uh, paralyzed, right? What would happen to the leg muscles and the muscles in the back? Yeah, we did. Yeah. All right, hold on to that. Yeah. Hold, no, no, it's fine. But, I mean, what a miracle this was. Uh, you know, the muscle tone came back to the legs. He was able to get up by himself. He was able to carry his mat. He was able to walk. We know people, unfortunately, who've had uh, automobile accidents or strokes uh, or something that happened to them that affected their legs. And in effect, they have to learn how to walk again. This was instantaneous. He picked up his mat and he walked. 
The day on which this took place was was a Sabbath. Now we got a problem. <laughs> the problem is with the Pharisees, right? Because this man, according to the Pharisaical law, not the law in the Bible, but according to the Pharisaical law, was not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath, which included lifting his mat. So the, you know, the Jewish leader said to the men, the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The Lord forbids you to carry the mat. How blind were they? This man was an invalid for 38 years. Jesus heals him miraculously. And rather than appreciating that Jesus restored health to this man, they're criticizing. Sound like people you know? It is a Sabbath. Listen, if you want to know the truth, I really believe God did, God did seven healings on the Sabbath. And this is one of them. And I think he did it uh, partly to agitate the Pharisees, to reveal their hypocrisy and self-righteousness uh, in this. But it gets worse. Look at this. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So what's he doing? Right. Hey, don't, don't blame me. It's that guy. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's that guy. You know, he made me well. It's not my fault. Uh, and he told me, pick up your mat and walk. The Pharisees were probably uh, at a danger blood pressure point at this point. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. He had no idea. All he knew is that he was healed. He didn't know who it was that told him to, to get up, take his mat, and walk, right? And it goes on to say, later Jesus found him at the temple. This is still on the Sabbath, right? They found him at the temple, and uh, he found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. That implies he was well once before. So he wasn't this way from birth. Something happened in his life that paralyzed him, and it could indeed have been sin. Some, you know, sexual act, some, some other sinful act. Yeah, you should have heard Proverbs this morning, right? Uh, see, you are well again. And then Jesus gives him a rebuke. He says, stop spinning, uh, sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Wow. How would you respond to that? Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Well, <laughs> this, was a, this was a serious encounter. You are well again. What, what worst thing can happen to him, do you think? 
he goes back. That's, he was probably in the temple sinning somehow. We don't know how. And this is in a period, remember, when the temple was, was corrupt, right? They, uh, you had the merchants in there, extortionists. You, you know, you, you had other things going on in the temple. should have never happened. And, he's, and Jesus is saying, look, you were just healed miraculously. Stop sinning. Or something else may, worse may happen to you. And, and I don't want to read into this that God may do something worse. But it almost seems to imply that whatever he was doing to sin was going to make him worse. Wow. Okay, well, all right. The man went away. And he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. This is one of the most significant verses in this passage. Can anybody tell me why? Yeah. This man was no better than Judas. To cover his own self with the legalistic Pharisees, so that he could probably still be admitted into the temple, this guy goes squeals on Jesus to the Jewish leaders. He's the guy. You need to go after him, not me. He's the guy. Almost sound like monk, right? He's the guy. The man went away, and he told the Jewish leaders that uh, uh, it was Jesus who made him well. Uh, we find out very quickly, and we're going to continue this next week, but we find out very quickly that this infuriated the Pharisees so much, now they really wanted Jesus dead because he healed on the Sabbath. So you have two, well, more than two. You have the man who was healed, and the religious leaders who were supposed to know better miss it entirely because both were ungrateful. How about us? In my estimation, we, we see miracles all the time. Sometimes we're just too busy to, to recognize them. But I think we see miracles all the time. And one of the biggest miracles, probably the biggest miracle as far as I'm concerned, is that when Christ saves us, we, we should be rejoicing when a person gets saved. The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner repents. How much more should we? This man decided to go and tattletale on Jesus when he should have gone and told the people that he met the Messiah, that the Messiah changed his life, gave him life. Instead, this ungrateful man rejected it. 
in some senses, I think this is a picture of the American church. God does fantastic things all the time. And the American church, the evangelical American church especially, seems to be very complacent about it. And if you will, sometimes ungrateful. How do I know that? Well, because we put other things ahead of things like worship, Bible studies. We put things ahead of discipling, discipleship groups. And by and large, the church in North America is not even doing a good job at going out and proclaiming to other people who need a savior. Look what Jesus did for me. Look what Jesus did for me. Do you realize that if you all invited someone next week, we would double our size immediately? Okay, I'm not saying go out and force them to come. What I'm saying is, hey, look, listen, I'd love you to come meet the Savior, not me, Jesus. Because let me tell you what he did for me. Don't get stuck into the health and wealth and prosperity gospels uh, because as far as I'm concerned, um, that is heresy. Uh, the health and wealth gospels will say, if you have enough faith, you'll never get sick. If you have enough faith, um, you will never need money. If you have enough faith, you know, you, life is going to be roses. Listen, life got more difficult when I came to Christ, but it got better. Does that make sense? Why do you get more difficult? Because I realized for the first time, I had, a, I had a problem, I had a terminal disease and called sin. And that Jesus went in my place because there was nothing I could do to make it right on the cross to pay for me in full what I owed. How could I keep that to myself? You know, I, I, I look at you hear me use this many times, and I use it because uh, I really think it's true. Uh, you know, you find out somebody anonymously paid your mortgage for you. You're going to be telling everybody in the world. Paid in fall. Wow. I'd like that. How about you? Right? And we, we would tell people, this is so much more of a miracle. Being saved, we should be telling people our story. Come and listen and see and meet the Savior. You know, we, I've been joking, uh, you know, about uh, the men's group and, you know, the, the trip we're going to be taking and all. But it's no joke. It's not just for the hot dogs. It gives us a chance for fellowship. Gives us a chance to ask each other, how you doing? What are you struggling with? How can we help? How can we stand beside one another and help? And women should be doing the same thing. 
But here's what I want to leave you with today. Let's not be silent about the miracle of salvation. It's the only hope this world has. This man went to the religious leaders and the religious leaders could care less. All they wanted to do was catch Jesus so they could kill him. No matter what our government, our culture does, we will never kill Jesus again. He lives in and through us. We are his body. We have the Holy Spirit. We have his word. Let us go forth in power, in love, and shout the miracles that he has done for us. Just one last thought. You know, I said be careful of the prosperity gospels. Because even in the conservative evangelical church, whatever that means, uh, you know, people will come up to me and say, well, if God cared for me so much, how come, how come he let somebody rob my house? Well, no. It was the decision of the thief who robbed your house, had nothing to do with God. Well, couldn't have God stopped it? Well, I guess, but it wasn't in his province to stop it. We treat God almost like Santa Claus. Lord, I, I, you know, hey, I teach Sunday school. I've been good. I go to prayer meeting. I go to this. I go to that. And Lord, why'd you let this happen to me? And his answer to that is always this. Since the fall... Evil entered the world. And you experience the fruits of the fall. You look to me, Jesus says, and I will satisfy you. If we let them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's the hope, right? But we don't even open our mouths many times when we have opportunity. I guess that's what I'm driving at. Listen. People need the Lord. This man needed Jesus and decided, at least at this point, to reject him, even after a miracle. Let's give you a heads up about uh, the continuation of this. This miracle had a lot of ramifications, particularly with the Pharisees uh, and Jesus. And we're going to look at the encounter between the Pharisees and Jesus who really held on to their law, not God's law, that Jesus made this man break the law. And the argument that follows from Jesus, he should have been a lawyer, right? <laughs> Flawless. 
and we can learn a lot from it. So if you want to read ahead, do that. But listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, which we should be some of the joyous people in the world, willing to share what Christ has done for us when we have earned the opportunity to share that. I often equated this to a researcher who finds a cure for cancer. My North Jersey accent came out there. Finds a, a cure for cancer and um, keeps it to himself. What good does it do anybody? Whether he keeps it to himself because of monetary reasons or whatever, doesn't matter. We're all born with a terminal disease. And Jesus is the only answer to that. Real quick, Vince, because we've got to wrap it up. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if they are, so what? Yeah, you know, I mean, if they are, so what? I don't want to be arrogant, but, you know, all you can tell them is the, the truth, but tell it in love. Tell it in love. We need to be busy about the kingdom of God. We need to get rid of the, the excuses. We need to readjust our priorities. We need to stay in the scriptures. We need to be part of a fellowship and worship. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So with that, I'm going to ask uh, Chip and uh, Kristen to come up, please. And we're going to end the service with a big thank you to the Lord. And I'll go as far as this. If it were not for Jesus, you wouldn't be here today. And in fact, didn't we read before, only a fool says in, in his heart, there is no God. Lord, help us to be grateful. Would you stand, please?
Let's pray. Father, help us to leave this place with this, a heart of gratitude for all you've done for us. For your grace, your holiness, your love. Dismiss us in the power of your Holy Spirit so that when we uh, go from this place to the mission field, you would help us, Father, to love people and share the grace of Christ with them. And Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor. And all God's people said? Amen. 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 You're dismissed. Men, I got to see you.